I didn't think it was possible, but somehow, the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift presents the audience with a lead character with even less charisma than Brian O'Connor. And yes, this is the first time that I've even noticed Brian has a surname. Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut. I am Peter and joining me as always is David. It's not the rad, it's the radder. <laughs> I have so much to say about his accent. I'm just, I'm just going to get out of the way right, right here. This is a movie That's podcast, fair. everyone. Uh, we are working through the Fast and the Furious movies. Not all of them, quite yet. We're doing the first mm -hmm. five in this block. We'll come back and do the rest next year. Although it occurred to me because of Hobbs and Shaw, we probably should have done six rather than five. But that's, you know what? We've already scheduled everything out now. It's fine. Uh. We're, we're here. This is going to be Fast and the Furious Tokyo, Tokyo Drift. This is uh, the third movie in the franchise. We will start spoiler-free as we always do. We'll give you a warning before we go to spoilers. Uh, previously on the collector's cut, <laughs> first movie I thought was utter shit. David was yep. a little bit more tolerable, but agreed with mm -hmm. most of the complaints levied at it. Uh, too Fast, Too Furious, we both thought was better than the first movie. Better paced, uh, slightly more fun. Interesting action scenes compared to the first one. Yeah, so that's where we stand coming into this one. Which And this is kind of, yeah, this was like, we don't have the, the main cast. We're, we're just kind of almost yep. trying to treat it as if it's like an anthology movie where we can just jump around different people involved with cars. I, I I said it in the last review. No franchise has ever been more forgiving to a marketing department of like, <laughs> oh, we're just gonna do something totally different now. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we'll get to it. the premise of this one is our main character who we're introduced to is a high schooler named <laughs> high schooler. <laughs> yeah, he's supposed to be a high. Schooler. I agree. He did not look a high schooler or sound like a high schooler, but he he's supposedly a high schooler yeah. named Sean, who. Ends up moving to Japan. Well, we'll go into why, obviously, we talk about spoilers and plot. But he ends up moving yep. to Japan and gets involved in the drift racing scene uh, in Tokyo. And would you believe it? He's got his eye on a girl who is with a, a baddie uh, who he's going to eventually race and stuff. Yeah. That's the, that's the broad strokes of it. I think for this particular movie, what's the most interesting for me is that he... This movie is the most believable romance subplot out of all what? of them. <laughs> that's it. That's, that is a damning statement for it both is. this movie and the other movie. It is. <laughs> that's what was crazy to me, because I was like, oh, you know, I actually believe these characters give a crap about each other. Every other Fast and Furious movie, Paul Walker and whoever he's into that week is like, ah, I mean, I could see them sleeping together, but I, I can't believe they're interested. <sighs> I don't know if I, like, I don't know if I'm ready to argue you, but I also don't think I'm ready to agree with you either. Like, I, I feel fair. I feel really weirdly in like a in a void here based on what you just said. I'm just sort of yeah. in this ocean surrounded by nothingness, and I'm like, what do I say? What do I say to what he just said? I don't know. Don't, I do not compute. <laughs> you could just agree. I could have a win for once. <laughs> I don't know if I want to agree. I don't know if I do That's agree. Right, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that this is like love actually. I'm not saying this is the all-time great love story of our generation. It's crap, but it's better than the last two. 
Now, I've not seen Love Actually, but are you, that's your example for the greatest love story of our generation? I mean, it's not. It's, it's a good way of it. I'm, this isn't about Love Actually. Don't <laughs> put me on the spot for this. <laughs> I, just, I feel like there's better romance movies you could have whipped out. Uh, Twilight, for example. So, um, yes. yeah. I think, first things first, so Justin Lin directed this, and Justin Lin's actually yes. a regular director on this franchise. He actually sticks around and does the fourth one, he does the fifth one, I think he does the sixth one, and then he comes back and does the ninth one. I think it's the seventh. I might be wrong on that. Oh, it's the seventh, I, sorry. I think he does four, five, seven. I could be wrong. I'm looking at it now. Oh, so, no, six is here. I've got him in these. Is, six is uh, there? Is six oh, that's right. Se- seven is when Juan hops on. Yes, yes. It's seven, six, but no seven. And then he comes mm-hmm. back for nine, and he's not involved uh, in the new ones. He's not in 10 mm-hmm. or 11. Uh, so so that's notable. We have a director here who's going to be a, a mainstay for the franchise. So if we have critiques about the direction as we go, mm-hmm. something to note for the future because <laughs> he's sticking around. Um, obviously, this movie doesn't contribute that much to the franchise. There are obviously some things, like the director, and there's one character who was a bit of a fan favorite who is going to uh, sticking around. So mm-hmm. that's something. Not the only. Ca- I mean, the main guy does apparently appear later, but I mean, I don't know to what extent because I yeah. don't remember him. So that's that. Uh, our main character of Sean is played by Lucas Black, and like our introduction to this character for me was a. It was a roller coaster ride of emotions and feelings. I didn't know how to parse oh. how I felt, because on the one hand, I'm like. He looks as bland as Paul Walker. Uh-huh. But they, they thought to themselves, how do we how do we space him up? They thought, we'll get someone with a, an Alabama accent to be mm-hmm. our, our lead character. If he can't be interesting, he'll sound interesting. <laughs> That's what they were hoping for. I'm not so sure I'm convinced it worked. But the, he is... There's a moment early on where he almost has a bit of a personality. And I was... Mm-hmm. I, there's a, there's a moment where we won't, I won't get into it too much but there's a moment where he smells at a girl that he was trying to win the affection of but because mm. of the car wreck that he's just been in his mouth's all bloody and she kind of looks disgusted at him and the fact that he just keeps smelling like he's still very proud of himself regardless I almost felt like that was almost actually a little bit of character like the, yeah. the, the fact that you're not like embarrassed that she's reacting that way I thought oh maybe this guy's going to have some character but that was kind of the extent of it, to be honest. Yeah, I, I feel the biggest issue that his character has in this, or lack thereof, I should say, is that every one of the people he's surrounded by mm-hmm. tells us how he has been, yes. and we don't actually really see that. We just see this totally separate thing. It's that combined with... I mean, obviously, I don't think the actor's great for, as yeah. well. does have a bunch of charisma, but... I think the other big problem is that his character, as far as the writing goes, he's not that likable. Like, no. it, it never really gives as much of a reason to, like, give a shit about him, or it, it, they're going for that kind of troubled kid who keeps getting into trouble, but usually when you have those stories and you still want to root for them a little bit, mm-hmm. those because oh, they're still kind of, like, they're doing it for the right reasons or because they're, they're sticking up for someone and they're, they're, they're standing up against the bully, even though they're using, like, sort of, like, reckless means to do it or whatever. But yeah. you know, in this movie, he goes to live with his dad because he's be- he's been getting in so much trouble, street racing and shit. That I'm just like the entire time I'm thinking I'm on the dad's side. <laughs> like I'm like, yeah. uh, I'm. That's that's that. It's funny that I brought up Twilight because this is Twilight. This is where I'm like, Bella's dad's the only sane character in that entire goddamn movie. That's fair. I I 
I think that this movie and the fact that they made the protagonist a high schooler, I think it speaks volumes to the target audience they were going uh, for mm, here. That's fair. I think that this 100% was just the teens are supposed to look at how the dad's reacting and they're like, oh, he just doesn't understand. Whereas me and you coming in around the age of 30, it's like, okay, but like, <laughs> kid, cool your jets. I, I, yeah, my big problems with the character, is it from a story perspective anyway, was just that it never... It never made me want to root for him. It never justified what he was doing. He just felt mm-hmm. like a reckless asshole who kept getting out of trouble. And even when he goes through like, the character beats of like, oh, like the dad gives him a talking to and he has to try. He never actually mm-hmm. tries to like even not be like a reckless street racer. No. He just immediately kind of starts doing it again with no attempt. There's no struggle. There's no nothing. He just kind of does it. I don't know. We'll get into it more as we're going through yeah. it and stuff. But mm-hmm. I, the character for me was just kind of this weird wet blanket. Um, on the flip side of that, I want to talk about Han because Han, Han yes. is the best character in this movie, hands down. He's probably the best character in this franchise so far. That's yeah, I'll agree with that too. This guy is so effortlessly cool. This is when they were trying to make in the first movie <laughs> Paul Walker be cool. This is what he had to be. It's so natural to him, and I just love it. It's something as simple as he just he's, he's just he's sitting there eating a bag of snacks uh, the first mm-hmm. time we see him, and he just like I don't know, yeah, he, he just the, the actor's just the cool guy. He just he gets yeah. it. He knows how to carry himself. It's just it's that it's that simple. It's not that the character's even that written well or deeper or no even that interested. He just carries himself well, and that's enough. I will put out just a little bit of trivia here. Um, the actor who plays him, and I don't have it up on screen at the moment. Um, the actor who plays him, he was picked by Justin Lin from a previous project he did mm-hmm. where he was also a man named Han who was mixed up in like the CD underground of like Japanese mafia Are you, are and stuff you telling like that. me that there's a secret in-universe the, movie? Not in-universe, but all of the fans of the franchise apparently consider it to be his backstory because it just works. Sounds like a sneaky backdoor spinoff to me. I mean, it kind of is, but that was before Justin Lin got tapped to do this. That was 2002, mm. so... Yeah, you can wreck on it, and why not? Yeah. <laughs> it works. <laughs> uh, you have the love interest who, despite being in Japan, the love interest is not Japanese. She is Australian. <laughs> yep. Um, she is the most bland CW actress, so honestly. So, I will uh, put out... This is her very first role in anything ever. Oh, really? Okay. And I think with that in mind, she did an okay job. I think that for a first role, it was fine enough. But well, yeah, she is very bland in general. She, she, yeah, like she's not the worst I've ever seen in the terms in, ter- in terms of like delivery lines and stuff. She's like acceptable enough, but she just kind of mm-hmm. comes off like the character is very thinly. The girl that the bad guy has, that the good guy's kind of flirting with, and she looks like she's off a CW show. And I think when I looked her up, she was on The Vampire Diaries or something like that. Yes. So mm-hmm. uh, that does not surprise me. She feels <laughs> tailor-made for that world, by all means. Yeah, that's uh, fair. I mean, that's kind of it for the important characters. I mean, I know... I mean, a... our antagonist would be... Yeah. What's his name? Big one. DK. Uh, his... DK is his nickname. Stands for Drift King. His actual name is Takashi. Yeah, 
I'm glad that the first guess what DK stood for in the movie, though, was Donkey Kong, because that's exactly the first thing I thought of. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm not even a Nintendo person. It's still <laughs> the first thing I thought of. Um, I... I like him as a villain. I like him as an antagonist, because he is... He's decently menacing. But in terms of it's any just, sort of depth or backstory to his character, he's just the villain. There's nothing more yeah, to it. Yeah, He's just the angry asshole boyfriend. It feels like we've regressed from the last... Because the last movie obviously had this big plot about trying to take on this bad... And he was a cartoony mm-hmm. villain, and that was something we talked about. Yeah. But this feels peered back, as now it is just about... Like, this is the first movie in the franchise where the climax is actually a race. You know, because mm-hmm. it's always been... A, like, there's racing along the way, but the actual big climax is like, oh, it's this sting to take down this big bad guy, or it's trying to stop this heist in the first movie this is actually just ends up being built up to a race which actually leads myself to to the the biggest problem i had with the script in this movie is that for a long period in this movie there's actually not pardon the pun a driving force that we're building to something because the the main character like he wants to get involved in the local racing and stuff and he kind of does it but he kind of like gets better at the drifting thing and ultimately kind of wins a race in a montage we don't even really focus on it and mm-hmm. it's not really until the last act where it kind of takes the guy who's kind of the antagonist and turns him into an actual proper villain antagonist mm-hmm. and up until that point there's really not a lot of like momentum you know the second movie like we're building up to what we're doing right we're building up to the last big you know sting operation yeah this is what the movie's about first movie and i don't like the first movie but at least that had oh he's undercover and he's trying to and eventually he's going to be faced with this choice like he's going to try and take them in or is he one yeah. of the family now kind of thing this movie edges like for a lot of it as far as like what we're building to it's just kind of meandering with oh he's getting to know han and he's getting to know the drifting and he's getting to know the girl a little bit there's not a lot of like oomph to building towards something yeah i i think that's a consequence of what the primary quote-unquote message of the story is which is we open up the movie of them having sean and his mother move around a lot because he keeps on yes. getting into trouble and long story short he builds up some friendships here he actually makes a place for himself and when it comes time that he would normally you know he got in trouble again and he would normally have to leave again he puts down his foot and says no i'm staying this time and because of that it's that's where the consequences is that we had to spend all that time making him feel like he belongs here and that requires it to not be filled with conflict because once he reached that conflict, his character should have just left. They had to give him a long period of time where there was really nothing wrong at all with what he's doing. So that way, when he did have to make the choice of run away or stay, he's already gone through the character development enough to say, I'm going to stay. Yeah, I, it's the sort of thing where like a better script would manage those two things better. And I'm sure, mm-hmm. I don't have one off the top of my head, but I'm sure those movies that have done that style of plot before where it's a character in... You know, by the time we get to the end of Act 2, they realize, no, I'm going to stay here and fight for this new place that I've kind of come to see as home. And they'll yeah. do it without it feeling like it's meandering until that point. And they'll, you know, they'll have him, you know, the forming of the friendships will be a big part of the story and it'll feel like they're... Er- Whereas here, he just kind of ends up lumping in with people and, like, yeah. you know, it's like, hey, I, that, that's I think crazy kid who sells iPods is, you know, <laughs> he's your best friend. I mean, should we even talk about Bow Wow? Is he worth bringing up? I'm glad you know who it is, because I didn't know who it was. Yes. It is Lil Bow Wow, who is no longer Lil. He is just Bow Wow. And he is 
he's the character of Red from Shawshank Redemption in his like career, in that he can just fence stuff and buy stuff. Oh, and sell I see stuff. what you're saying. I see what you're saying there. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's the guy who gets things in, but except yeah. he's just they're not in prison or anything. He's just he just yeah. he has a lot of products to sell for some reason. Yeah, for whatever reason, he's selling iPods and sneakers and laptops. Yes, Air Jordans. Go see it in theaters uh, the next <laughs> couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, he's he's almost trying to fill the role that Ludacris had last film of just sort of that little sidekick that's always pumping up the main guy, but mm-hmm. he doesn't feel important to the plot. Like if, they 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 put all of that role into Han instead of I into wouldn't him. dare say there's a formula to these movies yet. But his role feels like a bit a formula that they're trying to to fill in. Yeah. Um, you know, if if there is a formula, it's not so much in the plot structure yet because they're kind of dangling back and forth as to what it's really about. You know, it's like street racing. It's about hikes. It's about taking down a bad guy. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, I think though, the one thing they do all have in common is that we have to have montages of like sexy girls bending over cars as like thumping music plays. You know, yeah. that that's there in full force uh, throughout this movie. So. Um, I've never asked the question yet, but so I suppose just to sort of get some broad takes on it and where we stand with this versus the first two. David, did you enjoy the Fast and the Furious colon Tokyo Drift? I'm glad you said the colon because it might be important to the naming scheme by the time we hit 11. Hey, for all we know, there could be a 14th movie that's Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift without a colon just to distinguish Uh. it between this one and that one. They're going to call it, like, Drifting Tokyo or something, just to really screw with us. It'll be Drifting Furiously. (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay, so in terms of how much I like this movie, I enjoyed it. I think it was a fun little thing. I think that it's so divorced from the Fast and Furious franchise, as we know it so far. Obviously, it gets kind of molded in there, but this feels like, as you said, the beginning of when they were like, Maybe this is an anthology series where we don't have to have the same characters. And because of that, the only thing in common is the cars. But not even that. Because every time that they would have said the word race or they would have talked about engines or something in any other Fast and Furious movie, this one just talked about how drifting is how you connect with the universe or whatever. Like, it's every single person here. Okay, Okay, right. Since you brought it up now, I was going to wait till later. But we have to talk about this cult of drift that is and like so here's the thing the first time it's brought up right so so sean's getting into a race and he's like dk what's that stand for he's like Mm -hmm. drift king and he's like drift confused and i'm like you the one characteristic (laughs) you have is that you love cars and you love to race and go fast now i get that maybe a lot of drifting isn't the type of racing you do that's fair enough you don't know how to do it and like practice but mm-hmm. the idea that you wouldn't know what the word drift means is absurd yeah absurd i know what drift means <laughs> well this was uh this was 2006 so how many mario karts have come out at that point because that's about all i know drift from i know drifting from every racing game i've ever played which goes back that's to fair. like 97 at the very that's least fair. so uh, I, this is baffling to me that someone who knows how to fix up a car, who likes to race fast, doesn't even know, or or, or, or he maybe knows what it is, but he acts so confused, like he's yeah. drift, like 
what context does the word drift matter here? And then the elevator door opens and they see someone drifting and I'm like, oh, really? you needed a visual? See, I'm okay with it because obviously from the film language side of things, we needed there to be one character who doesn't know what drifting is so that the audience <laughs> so, can yeah, be introduced to Yeah, the character who we know loves cars and loves racing? But that character's no, the one to pick? There's no character in this movie who doesn't love cars and love racing. There's no one else. The only one they could pick is the fish out of water character who we've already established. I, 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 I agree 100% is that it doesn't make any sense from a character perspective, but I don't think there was any character they could have picked. He was the best choice in an impossible and, situation. Okay, right. So they're, they're doing this idea that it's a lot of tight roads and are, in this particular case, it's inside the, the, the multi-story parking structure, yes. right? And mm-hmm. there's a lot of drifting because it's a lot of tight corners and stuff and that's fine, right? So, right? But the thing that gets me is that later on in the movie, the love interest, right? Uh, yeah. What was her name? Mina? Okay. Her name was like Nilla, Nilla. I think. Nilla. Something like it that. It was Nilla. But they said her name one time. <laughs> and it was an hour and ten minutes into this movie. Now, I think I say it at least once before then, because there's at least a moment where when he meets her again, he's like, oh, so it's, it's you know, he says her name, he's like, it's Nilla, right? Oh, okay. In that case, I missed that part yeah, because I was waiting for it the whole time. Let's say at least time. once early on. But there's a scene later on where she is drifting down the side of the mountain, right? On the road. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about how, you know, when we all... But even before we all got our licenses, we'd come up here and just watch the older kids drift. So when we yeah. got our licenses, we'd come up here and we'd drift. And it's like we were lost and, and, like, and we're in the moment. And I'm like, okay, what... What is this? I mean, honestly, even just the fact that Sean arrives in Tokyo and there's literally just other high school kids that he he just follows for that first day and he finds the the racing scene in the city yeah. is abs- is absurd on its own. But the idea that like they're it's like drifting, man, it's like no drifting is just a part of dry. It's just um, a part what? of race driving. It's. Uh, but that's the thing I, that I find amazing in this movie is the fact that they don't even care about racing. There are multiple conversations in this movie where they say, who cares about winning? It doesn't matter. Racing doesn't matter. It's about the the only thing that matters is drifting, man. And I want to point out that scene where she's drifting on the mountains that you were talking about. She's literally drifting side to side as she goes down the whole time. Not not only is she doing that, there are like six other cars on the other <laughs> side of her that are all perfectly mirroring her movements. And the only thing that was popping in my mind going back to the first movie is how they talked about surfing in Point Break. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. But it's so stupid because no one talks about drifting like this. Right. That, that, like, I have no problem with, like, okay, we're going to do a big race, and it's, it's you know, to, to win this race, because the other guy is good at drifting, you also have to be good at drifting. Talking about mm-hmm. it as a mechanic and as a skill in the yes. context of a race is completely fine. But mm-hmm. the idea that there's an entire group of people who talk about it like it is surfing, like it's, oh, it's riding the top of the wave, man, drifting is the... And I'm like, what? The closest you're going to get to God. Surely the part that people, like, feel the thrill of in the car, right, is when you're going really fast and the wind's in your hair or whatever. That's what people mm-hmm. normally talk about. You know, I, but dr- I just... Most people who drive cars will never experience drifting the car. They don't experience the hand of God, then. <laughs> you know, most people who drive slow down to take a corner. That's how you do it. Only people I, who actually go to, like, you know, tracks and stuff and practice mm-hmm. race racing are the ones who learn to drift. 
I especially love there's a practice scene later on where he's trying to get the hang of drifting. Oh. And he tells Bow Wow that he wants to replace the tires again. And Bow Wow points out he's already been through three t- sets of tires <laughs> just that day. And I'm like, maybe this is a reason why we don't drift. Because you're just filling up landfills with these tires. I did, I did laugh, tires. though, because when he first tries to race uh, and tries to drift and fails spectacularly, it made yeah. me chuckle because this is the f- the first time I play a new racing game and I've not learned the controls yet. This oh, is yeah. how I take every corner is smash it the wall. <laughs> you're like, huh, I wonder how fast the brakes kick in. Psh, well, not that fast. Yeah, okay recalibrate recalibrate recalibrating yep. so but i i i absolutely loved and hated the fact that it was all about drifting because it, you know it was weird at first it was strange when they were all just like you know like, oh racing doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you win or lose it's how you have drift and i'm like <laughs> it's stupid but at a certain point in this movie and i think it's probably at the point where she's talking about how they went to the mountains and watched the older kids drift that i was like oh i get it now it's meant to be this stupid and then i just started having fun with how everyone was just talking about it like that and there's there's a point in the like i don't want to call it the climax of this movie but during one of the major chase scenes where they have to go through what i can only describe as the Times square of tokyo and there are all these people walking around and they they drift through this crowd and the music is killed and it's just like this angelic choir sort of sounding music as they're drifting through in slow motion. I'm like, okay, you're just having fun. That's all this is. It doesn't. That's not supposed to make sense. It's just stupid fun. Again, maybe I'm just an old man now, but there's yeah. so many of these driving scenes where I'm like, I don't like you because you're endangering so many people. If you if you lose control, there's so many people you might hit. Like this is just. This is just pure Pete, form. Pete, that is absolutely old man. The fact that you are looking <laughs> at that and you're like, you're going to hit somebody. Slow down. That is absolutely Yeah, but at least if they hit someone, I'll be entertained. If I see bodies so, flying and blood spurting in the air. So let me get this straight. You, 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 want, you want to tell the characters, you're going too fast, you're going to hit somebody. But if they did hit somebody, you'd be like, that was awesome. Yeah, basically what I'm saying is, is either be Death Race 2000 and actually have that make sense that you're putting people in danger like this. But if you want me mm-hmm. to look at it from real world logic, it's almost ridiculous how much danger these people are putting like other people in. What was your thought? There was one point in this movie where they, they kick on the NOS and they go 197 kilometers per hour and he flies by a cop. And Han points out that the cop isn't even going to bother because they top out at 180. What was your thought on that? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 it made sense, I guess. <laughs> I, for, me, for me, it struck me as the writers just being like, hey, this movie isn't really about the law at all, and we don't want to have to deal with that. That's true, so we're yeah, just going to write in a little explanation as to why no cops ever show up. It is actually kind of weird, yeah. Like no, like the cops never try to break up like the crowd at the start of the like. I get they can't chase the cars, but mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, that, that was mm. yeah, yeah, a bit convenient. Um, mm. Yeah, as far as other things, anything else goes spoiler free territory. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I have anything else to to really add. Uh, um, I mean, I suppose my my general feeling. So I never really said that. Uh, yeah. So. So you said you had some fun. It's a dumb movie. You had fun, yeah. right? That was the gist mm-hmm. of it. Um, I did not really enjoy watching this all that much. I, I could probably get into the stupidity of talking about drifting the way they do. Yeah. But there's almost just like a... 
Like, I feel like at least someone somewhere is taking it seriously. Oh, no you know? doubt. Right? I, I feel like they have to be more silly with it for me to get into the silliness of it. It's, it's just it's just on that line too much where I feel like they still want me to kind of take it seriously. I mean, for a little bit of trivia here, there is a that like mountain racing thing where they're having mm-hmm. to drift around the corners. That's a thing. That is an actual thing in Japanese culture. And if you remember uh, during all the training scenes, there are two fishermen that are watching. Yes. The, at least one of those fishermen is the actual real life drift king who like was was famous okay. in Japan for his drifting ability. That's fine. He just that, got cameoed here. Honestly, that's a fine idea for a race. It beats the straight line of the first movie, the yeah. quarter mile, right? <laughs> I was going to say your whole thing was you wanted them to turn. I now know. they're turning <sighs> in style. I have no problem with drifting in the racing. I have no problem with that. My problem is that drifting is like right on the wings of an angel man like that's the whole thing so i I didn't really like the movie but it really boils down to i think the characters right hannah side who's kind of entertaining on his own is it like as soon as he showed up i'm like i can tell why you're the thing that came out of this movie movie. because because you're the the only one who's carrying himself like you're you're kind of a star uh everyone else just kind of feels like the main guy this is the thing with the main guy is that he is lacking charisma he Mm. He's unlikable, and the attempts, like the moments that are supposed to be there to make you feel like he's kind of a badass, come off as so laughably like try hard to me. I just like I couldn't get behind them. I did not enjoy the main character in this at all. I didn't yeah. really like the love interest much. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't I, really get into that stuff. And honestly, while I do think the race down the mountain is a fine idea for the finale, um, mm-hmm. they decided to do the scene at night, and honestly, it made it hard to really like. Even though one car had right. racing stripes on it, you could barely see them because it was so dark that I, I just, I didn't really, I found that scene kind of boring to actually watch. So he, I, he, they, they didn't learn the lesson that they took from the first movie of the climactic one. Even if everything else has been at night, the climactic one needs to be in the day so you can pick up on all the stunt work. And I'm like, I don't actually have a problem with setting it at night. Even really, I think you can do it. Like I think you can yeah. do it, and it can still be clearly and easy to see. But that's because it was just two cars duking it out, trying to get ahead of each other, and they look kind of similar, right? Even with mm-hmm. the racing stripes that you could barely see, it just, it didn't... I, so I ended up just not enjoying... So I think on that level, it failed at being enjoyable as a racing, and if it's if a Fast and the Furious movie's failing on that level, then it's failing, you know... So I definitely think it's weaker than two, right? I'll just... I think that's okay. straight up. It's weaker than two. Okay. Compared to the first one... Oh, God, that is a tough... That is a tough comparison for me to like wrap my head around because I, I, th- I think it's probably somewhere on par with the first one, and that's and for coming from me, that is saying it's not good. Yeah, that's not great. See, for me, I would probably put it on par with the second one, but that's just on the same level of stupid fun, you know. I think the stupidity in two though was more kind of like on its sleeve and felt more genuine, whereas and maybe it is because of the type of the actors they had in here, but this felt like more veering towards like obnoxious cw levels of stupidity oh yeah that's fair i'll give you that right so especially since so much if it was like stop looking at my girl man but see that's what going back to the very beginning of this that's the only thing that made me feel like there was any sort of anything in their romantic interest together is that there was someone who actually gave a damn about it but should they have given a damn about it <laughs> i mean in a fast, that was the other thing in this movie that got me was 
I don't think they spend more than two collective minutes talking about the actual innards of the car. The only thing they care about is drifting. And then they're like, yeah, no, we made a car. It's super rich, whatever. But like, drifting. Yeah, they talk less about it. There is a couple of montages of like putting cars together and like oogling at the engines. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's less of the actual, you know, nitty gritty talk about them. Yeah. Uh, which is fair. We just have the crappy romance instead. Uh, so, yeah. There Trading apples for oranges. All right, full spoilers for Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. You have been warned, so we can get through this. I have so many thoughts on the opening of this movie. Uh, There is the opening title sequence of this movie is this extended slow motion sequence of our main character Sean going to school. So he's like walking through the metal detectors. He's like Mm -hmm. standing next to the mascot of whatever the 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 school team is. He's in like some furry costume. Fighting ducks, man. Was it a duck? It was a duck. Was it a duck? Because the, the whole thing was there was going to be a game later on, the Ducks versus the Indians, which I feel like the Ducks is the stupidest mascot I've heard recently, but whatever. Oh, you got the Mighty Ducks, the ice hockey yeah, team? Yeah, but these weren't the Mighty Ducks. That's true. These didn't have that. These were, these were the, the... These were just the Ducks. What's, what's the opposite of Mighty? The, the, uh, the Fragile. The Fragile Ducks. The Fragile Ducks. <laughs> Uh, but you know, there's it, so much of him walking in like slow motion, looking around at things and looking at people mm-hmm. and whatever. Uh, and it builds up to like he's leaving for the day, and there's a girl in a convertible next to his car, and she says, "Oh, a nice ride" or whatever. And he, he talks mm-hmm. to her, and the older brother from Home Improvement comes sorting along. He's very upset. That's where he was from. Yeah, I recognized him, man. I, I knew yeah. he was. He comes over, he's like, are you talking to my girl? And he gets all mm-hmm. antsy at him. And I'm like, oh, this is really what we're doing. And in many ways, this opening, like, you know, 10 minutes set in, you know, I assume California, um, mm. is setting up kind of like, in a nutshell, what the whole movie's going to be, which is that he's going to like, get involved with some asshole's girl and they're going to race and so on and so on. The difference being, of course, is that he's going to not move away at the end of the movie because he's found a new home. Uh, yep. But he challenges the asshole to a race after he like throws a baseball and like smashes his car window. He gets upset, mm-hmm. uh, and this happens repeatedly. Basically, the, this this douchebag is constantly feeling emasculated because every little thing, like if, yeah. it, because this girl even looks in this like in Sean's direction, he is like ready to like go to war. Can I can I just point <sighs> out how this entire intro was fueled by the girlfriend? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. She is playing these two against each other. But one of my first thoughts was, like, if this this girl effectively, like, puts herself up, like, yeah. as a prize, because the, Sean's like, hey, I only race for pink slips, this race. And, like, the yeah. douchebag's like, I'm a rich guy with a rich car. Like, what, why would I want your piece of shit? I've got a Corvette. You've got a Buick. <laughs> and the girlfriend's like, Okay, how about you race for me? Winner gets me. And all I could think was, if I was Sean in this scene, <laughs> is I would be like, I wouldn't want you. If if, yeah. if, that's, if if you're just going to go with whoever wins in a car race, to me that says you're not someone worth being with. So I wouldn't want you. I just, I, the only thing when she said like, winner gets me, the only thing that was going through my mind was putting myself in the position of one of the students who had crathered around and be like, oh, there's Cindy again, just putting herself <laughs> up for whatever. 
We were in science class, and she said first one to finish the labs gets her. I don't understand why she does it. <laughs> so they, they go to, like, a, a construction site, and it's, like, a whole, like, neighborhood of, like, houses that are being built. So it's, there's, like, mm-hmm. lots of, like, half-done houses. There's lots of, like, pallets of construction stuff, like, all just sitting around. And they're going to race through here. And yep. I'm like, okay, fine. This is an interesting setting for a race, uh, you know, for cool, whatever. Um, and they do race, and they they they're, they're ramming into each other. Uh, Sean yeah. takes like a weird, like, kind of like shortcut, like through like dirt road behind some of the houses, and through a dirt road and through a house. Yeah, he has to go through a house because he's going to hit a, like a bulldozer or something if he doesn't. And mm. you know, he's riding up alongside the the douchebag, and because he's kind of starting to win. The girlfriend who's sitting in the passenger seat <laughs> with with the douchebag from Home Improvement turns and says, I thought you loved me. And oh I'm like, this woman has mental problems. Yes, she, she the, absolutely does. This is not just teenage stupidity. This is like, no, send her to psych- a psychiatrist. She needs help. Yeah. Nah, and then like two seconds later when Sean pulls ahead, she's like, well, I guess I've got a new date for prom. Yes. And which- that's what... That's what sends him over the edge into psychotic rage. Well, this is what I was saying. He's such a, uh, like, a fragile, like, douchebag. Like, he's so Mm -hmm. emasculated when she says that that he immediately starts, that's when he starts ramming the car into him. It's like, no, I'll ruin my rich Porsche or whatever it is to just, you know, because I I now feel like I have to because my... possibly kill him. Yeah, my manhood's been questioned. And um, then she starts freaking out because of what she directly caused and says, stop the car. I don't want to get hurt. And it's like, no, yeah. you started this, man. And then after they both have car wrecks and they're sitting in the police station and she's sitting there like this was all like you started. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying these other two are blameless. These two are just as equally in, in the blame oh, for yeah. this. But you, she's sitting there like she's disgusted by the two of them. And I'm like. You, you're as culpable like you're as culpable as either of these two like all three of you are guilty yeah. all three of you deserve to do prison time <laughs> like mm-hmm. all three of you are terrible that being said i think that does do a good job of leaning into the next scene where the cop is basically saying like hey they're rich you're poor uh, they're gonna beat the rap and we're going to throw the book at you th- do you know what this was a fine thing to bring up this is a fine theme to have in your movie that he wants to be this reckless driver, this racer, but he can't get away with it because he's not rich. That is a theme that they could have kept playing on, but they don't. Like, once it gets to Japan, nah. it doesn't matter anymore. Nah, because he has funding. He has a guy, he's Han, who's just yeah. like, yeah, just whatever, take a car. This could have been an interesting theme to pursue, is that he, like, there's no safety net for him. Yeah. But they, they don't really play with that at all, so... Oh, well. But uh, then the mom comes in, and there's just one moment in this scene. I don't even know why they did it, because it didn't end up being anything. But the mom comes in, mentions that she's divorced to the cop, and then asks if she can smoke. And then as she asks that, they cut to a shot of the cop, and there's clearly a no-smoking sign behind him. But he decides to light her cigarette anyway. I mean, it's just trying to set up that she is, like... She she tries to flirt to get her son out of things and yeah you know maybe maybe she's just flirty in general or whatever but this is like her tactic, um, and it's the, it's the girlfriend tactic of yeah. use what you got to get people to do things. So maybe that explains why he's uh, he finds that appealing in a woman. Yeah, it's, it's this weird <laughs> mummy issues. That that's all I can say. This but, this movie transitions so perfectly from mommy issues to daddy issues in like one scene. 
<laughs> yeah, I think... Um, so the whole thing here is that they've moved around like three times in the last couple of years because he mm-hmm. keeps getting into trouble, so they moved to a new town. But now he's got priors, this is like the third strike, like he's going to have to go to Juvie. And she basically cuts a deal with the cops that how about he goes and lives with his dad in Japan? And it turns out his dad is like you know, with the Navy or something and he's stationed in Japan at a base. Mm-hmm. So he's going to go live with him, which is very Twilight, going to live with the dad after the divorce kind of thing. But he goes to live with him and the dad doesn't even show up to like pick him up at the airport. And when he, get, mm. he arrives, he gets a cab, he goes to his dad's, and his dad's like, oh, sorry, I thought you were coming on the 7th. And he's like, it is the 7th, or whatever. And yeah. there's like an awkward moment here where like his dad's like saying goodbye to a lady friend. You know, he's like, oh, give me a minute. And he says goodbye mm. to her. Did, did, I felt like that was setting something up, and then I was like, that never really plays into anything, like, thematically. I think, it, I think it was all just supposed to play up the idea of he's a deadbeat dad. He's someone who hasn't been there for his son. And he was willing... He, in the eyes of the audience, was willing to put his son aside just to get some ass. Like, that's all I could yeah, think yeah, of. Yeah, but that's the thing, though. I, d- I don't really feel like he was a deadbeat dad. Like, they kind of set up No, that, yeah. You know, he, he was moving around a lot for his military career, and that eventually led to the separation. Because he was the one moving around and being stationed elsewhere, he was the one who was just absent, right? So, mm-hmm. obviously, you've got the career dad who kind of, like, gave up his family for that life and... You maybe go, yeah, you could have some like issues with that, and like he doesn't know his son that well, and he's struggling yeah. to be the the disciplined dad or whatever. But yeah, this felt like it was almost like setting up a different character. This like this asshole father who cared more about other things and women specifically. But that never yeah. really came into it. Honestly, I, the way the story like bounces back and forth with like trying to pretend that his dad's like a major character and that they're going to play with their relationship, and then mm-hmm. kind of forget about him. And then eventually just have him kind of like shrug his shoulders and go, yes, son, I understand. You have to do this because you're a man. Was, I don't know, was one of the worst parts of the movie to me. Yeah, it's, I don't feel they ever got a real grip on what the dad's characterization was in this movie. I think they started off wanting to go, not even deadbeat, but just someone who's not interested in taking care of a kid. Like someone who's got their own thing going on. But then... He transitions from that immediately into the whole strict dad of my house, my rules. You're going to do this exactly as I say. But not even and like. That, but not even extremely though. It's, it's like a very no. kind of like, like yeah. He's kind of like he says lights out by ten, and it sounds kind of military style. But he's yeah. he's mostly understanding, and he gives actually a pretty good speech. Like when he, his son like doesn't come home from school the next day, and he's doing race stuff, he comes back. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Have you been racing, son?" And he can't answer him. He's like, "Look." And he gives him this speech, like, I'm going to make the phone call and send you back right now. And he gives him a speech, like, this is for your own good. I'm supposed to look out for you, and you have to work with me. And don't get me wrong, I do think it's kind of weird and shitty that he just leaves him a note with a school uniform saying, hey, uh, trained for the school leaves at seven. Because all I could think was, he's just moved to Japan, where he doesn't speak the language, and you expect him to find his own way to, to anywhere is because yeah. i was even thinking like once he gets to school I'm like the teacher's not even like the teacher's speaking japanese like mm-hmm. if you move to japan or any country where english isn't the primary language or you know swap it around if you're speaking something else but like yeah you can't just show up to the school that is all speaking in a different language and how is he learning anything i i, I have no answers for you I mean, there's, I there's, other, I, I there's other students who are speaking English, but uh, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know how this is working. Like something's going on I'm assuming on they can also speak, because uh, the one that is that we see bilingual, at least, is um, Nila. 
yeah she's been there for a while though yeah yeah she she's pretty much born and raised in japan but no it's it's i understand the characterization of the father in the sense of he's military he hasn't had to deal with his son for years now and he's also trying to adjust to that but i do think that it is an issue of like you said they keep on trying to pull back this plot of oh we're going to see this father son reunion and they're going to understand each other and eventually they do but it doesn't feel like that was ever a plot it was just a thing that was dropped into the movie yeah because here's the thing so he gives them this speech about how you have to do better you have to not screw up because your life mm-hmm. is going to be messed up blah 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 and it's a decent enough speech it makes sense and he comes across as not an asshole dad who's been too strict he comes across as like no you've had trouble with the law and you were going mm-hmm. to go to juvie like i'm doing this for your own good it all sounds reasonable it all sounds like it makes sense and at this point yes he does hold han a car because he messed up tan's car right and the first yeah. race stuff and that's fair enough right so he's kind of maybe like locked into doing stuff that's going to betray what his dad's trying to tell him to do that's yeah. fine but he never like when when han like, shows up the next day and he's like hey get in and you work for me now and you do this you do that first of mm-hmm. all han seems like a cool guy he doesn't feel like he's threatening him ever um no. sean doesn't say i really shouldn't i can he just is like yeah i'm in as long as you teach me to drift like he never has like a struggle or a moment where shit i have to do this because i owe you and i'll be in trouble with you if i don't but that means mm-hmm. i have to betray my father that never even like feels like a consideration in his eyes never mind a line of dialogue well, I don't think it matters to him. I don't think there's any point in this movie where we see that Sean actually gives a crap about what his dad thinks. He's still 100%. The only... literally day one, he's still racing. The only moment in the whole movie where he kind of relents slightly for his dad is he at least has the courtesy to make up an excuse and phone him for why he won't be home at a decent time. But that doesn't even feel to me like he gives a crap about what his dad thinks. It just means that he knows his dad's going to be pissed when he gets home and he's hoping to that, lessen yeah. the blow on himself. That is that is fair. But it's the only, like, that's more than any other day. Yeah. <laughs> is fair. that he's willing to give him a phone call and say, hey, I, I mean, be maybe late. he's making this phone call every single day. He's like, Dad, did you know Japanese maybe. kids are really into clubs? Well, so I'm in like three of them now. You say Bye. that, but he just one day decides to not go home and goes to live with Han instead without telling his dad. Because we see a scene of his dad coming home and he's just not there in his bed. Yeah. And he never contacts his dad until he's in trouble later. And then he's, he has the big moment with his dad later where his dad kind of accepts that he's going to have to do this because. He has to clean up his own mess because he's a man. And, and that's the thing is I feel like they transition the plot away from this thing of a father-son relationship to I'm the the father saying I'm looking over you because you're immature. And then him finally stepping up and saying, I need to take care of my own problems. And being like, all right, you're a man now. Go do whatever you want. Yeah. Which Eh, I get, but it just seems like a very bare-bones plot. And it's not, by no means is it the central focus of this movie. It's barely even like a tertiary plot, yeah, but it, it's there. It's just wishy-washy, because if you're going to bring these subjects in, because the dad's right, he shouldn't be doing this. He is getting himself mm-hmm. into more trouble. And there's no real noble reason that he is getting into it. He just wants to, right? There's no yeah. like draw into it early on in the film. I'm wondering if maybe it's supposed to be a counterplot to his conversations with Han, because Han's whole thing that he's teaching Sean is mm. you have to be who you are and do what you want. Like, it's it's a whole yeah. thing of finding yourself. 
Which, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying, like, obviously you can have an arc where he's reckless to begin with and he learns something throughout and learns responsibility. Mm. I'm not so sure that's in the movie, though. Like, technically, yeah. when he says to his dad, I have to clean up the mess I made, that sounds like he's doing that, but I, I never, like, I never really feel like he goes through an arc in the movie. No. So, no. I, I don't think that's that would be fair to say. The uh, only arc he goes through is the arc of the turn as he drifts around the corners. <laughs> he, he, Yes, he doesn't have an arc. He has a drift. <laughs> he yes, drifts. exactly. Perfect. Yeah. So to go back to just like the actual racing stuff, then he he mm-hmm. goes with Bow Wow then to to the the the, the Which, parking structure. We we can keep calling him Bow Wow, but I do have to point out that his character's name is Twinkie, and that's just an awful name for a character. I could eat a Twinkie. <laughs> like no, I mean right now I could have a. Twinkie. Could you could you eat Bow Wow? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. So weird thing with him, and this is the thing: is this thing where just like this is kind of like the John Wick movies, where everyone ends up in a part of the assassin world. Everyone yeah. the characters meet in these movies is part of at least at least into watching the street racing scene, if not yeah. part of it themselves. And Bow Wow takes them, and I've never seen this before, but given how compact like Japan can be, and they make that sort of joke with the apartment oh, yeah. that he, his dad lives in, is mm-hmm. that their parking system at least somewhere. Like they get their car back via like a, I don't even know what you call it, like a lift system where. Yeah, it, it's like a conveyor belt, but like yeah. vertically going around. Yeah, yeah. That, These do exist. I do know that they exist in Japan. That, that that's fair. I mean, I assume it was a real thing. It, it feels like a weird thing to just make up for a movie like this. It's not a sci-fi yeah. movie. So, uh, but they do like a reveal of his car. Right, where he's like, oh, is it this one? No, is it this one? No, and it's this yeah. green car, and there's like a sort of sticking out like fist and like, like not out the way but like there's like a, a detail yeah. where it's like a, a bit of 3d effect of like a fist design in the car and i thought hmm, that makes me think of hulk and then the car yeah. spins round, and when you get to the front there's actually a, a printing of hulk's face on the front of the car and you can mm-hmm. see the interiors like all the 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 inlay is all like purple fabric and i'm like this is a hulk car yep I'm glad that you were able to tell it was a fist from the back because I stared at it for a good 30 seconds while they were I, doing yeah, the turnaround. I, I couldn't even tell what it was until they got to the side panels. I'm like, oh, they're hands. I got, got it, it. I got it was a fist. I, yeah, when I say 3D, I guess the better term would be like embossed. You know, yeah. like see when you buy like a, you know, like a metal tin of something and they've got like a sli- mm. just a slightly sticky out effect on one part of the, the image. That's kind of yeah. what it is. Because mm. uh, it's from the side. It's not like the fist sticking out the front. <laughs> I mean, this just speaks to the that fact of this movie was probably marketed even younger than the previous two movies. Because the fact of we have two high schoolers getting this Hulk detailed car out of the garage and they're treating it like it is the coolest thing to ever exist. And I'm looking at it like that just seems stupid. I, I, it's a... If I saw that driving down the road, I'd be like, wow. To be fair, I do think Sean's reaction is this is not that cool. You know, I think yeah, the point is that Bow Wow's car is a bit ridiculous. and But the, the filming style and the way they oh, do yeah. the reveal makes it seem like it's cool. So, yeah. Uh, he ch- So, when Villain... What's the villain's name? DK, sorry. Takashi or DK. DK, yeah. right. When DK gets mad that... Uh, it, Neela is talking to to Sean, right? And he comes mm-hmm. up and he's all 
meh 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 what are you doing get out of here uh gaishin or what we call him um gaishin but bow wow's like hey that dude's yakuza you have to like you know don't 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 mess with him uh mm-hmm. but sean of course showing that he has absolutely no restraint whatsoever just starts like talking to him and like he calls him justin timberlake yeah challenging him insult. uh railing him up and says he wants to race and everyone's just like you don't have a car though and that's when han just throws him his keys and goes hey take mine mm-hmm. i want to see what you can do take mine and sure enough they do this race up this parking structure drifting up and what whatnot and sean does not know how to drift he smashes the car into the walls repeatedly it is a complete wreck by the time they get to the top of the building and hans like don't leave the city because i own you now for wrecking my car like you owe me but he doesn't he doesn't even say it menacingly he just comes up and be like i'll see you around like he he knows this is the start of the new business deal it's yeah it almost feels like he knew that before he started he's like yeah he, this guy's gonna owe me for wrecking my car and i, oh, I can yeah. basically use him uh for whatever reason though, s- he likes him he likes sean yeah. i don't know why because he's not likable yeah. but he likes him i want to see the alternate universe where sean instead of like he realizes he can't drift and instead of trying to he just granny turns all the corners <laughs> and he doesn't wreck the car at all but he he still loses but it's just like all right well goodbye I, you don't owe me i guess for gas that's all i got What's funny is that, you know, so it sets up that he loses this and then he starts training with Han how to drift and they're practicing mm-hmm. now down near the docks and they're practicing in the mountain and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they're doing all this. Uh, it is it is worth noting that he, Sean made that a condition because originally Han was just like, no, we work in the delivery and pickup business now. You're yes. going to help me pick up money because I kind of work with DK for the Yakuza. So we're going around getting money for that. Yeah, but, but we do we do find out though as well that DK is not actually Yakuza. His mm-hmm. uncle is an actual member of the Yakuza. Uh, DK is just like kind of trying to pretend that he is, and like yeah. oh, probably wants to become part of it. But isn't oh, absolutely. Yet. Yeah, uh, yeah. Han makes him go in and try and get money from this big sumo wrestler looking dude uh, mm-hmm. in a ba- in a hot tub, and. Uh, doesn't go super well uh, as no. you could imagine i uh, mean it's just a comedy beat scene it doesn't yeah, really it's not important anything yeah but th- so there, there's montages of him training and this is where it gets me is it just kind of montages into him winning mm-hmm. at the parking structure and i'm like oh we've yep. done that and at this point i'm like okay so what's the movie about <laughs> like what are we building to yeah. now and then it just kind of like, it veers more into the romance angle and uh mm-hmm. neela spending time with them drifting with them talking about drifting and all the rest of it and of course this pisses off dk who then comes down and punches the shit out of uh sean mm. uh about you know halfway two-thirds out of the movie wh- wherever it is i mean about the halfway point right about yeah something like that uh because i this this series of events here like specifically from the moment where he goes on the date with neela to i pretty much his uncle showing up was the most whiplash i've experienced in one of these films because it's so fast-paced with so many things happening after so long of as you called it meandering because we have he goes on a date she's good at drifting so she elaborates on that dk shows up punches out sean she immediately goes to dk and breaks up with him and then we just get into what i can only call the third act with 
the actual uncle showing up well, from the, the Yakuza. I would also say the actual plot starts. Yeah. Which is, the the uncle shows up to, uh, and obviously he's like the higher up of whatever uh, DK does because he's all the money mm-hmm. is going to him, and he's like, hey, your partner, meaning Han, is stealing. Like he's doing other things, and you need to put a stop to that. So DK goes to Han and like you know, pulls out a gun, and it's a big, big tense moment, and it results yep. in the big race that has the big moment. You because they're all racing in the streets and they they're driving towards the crowd in the busy street and the crowd just parts like the red sea as they mm. drift to angel- angelic music uh through the crowd so uh, so dumb yeah uh, there, there's one other moment in that race where uh dk drifts to the point where he's able to drive backwards for a while mm-hmm. and he's able to fire off shots at han and that just felt a bit too much to me. Do, 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 I, 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 I appreciate they're good at drifting but like driving backwards is a different skill set entirely well, I remember Brian doing that in the last movie. Yeah, and I didn't like it there either. That's true. Honestly, the fact that he was firing a gun just made me think of John Wick. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's not a good comparison to think of in, in your action scene no. because uh, the action in this is nothing compared to John Wick, obviously. Uh, and we say this because we did John Wick 4 between Fast and the Furious 2 and 3. That's where things yes. lined up uh, for us. That's so. our recordings. Keep an eye on the timeline. It's very confusing. Yes. So... The uh, hand, like I, another car crashes into hand because they're driving you know, through the streets with all the public traffic, and a car mm. crashes in. Remember this for a future movie. Yeah. All I'm going to say is that they retcon who was behind the wheel of this other random car later on. I mean, I I have a grasp for the timeline without having seen the stuff. Uh-huh. I get a gist of like. This movie, without spoiling too much, this movie was filmed in 2006. It was released in 2006. In terms of the Fast and Furious universe, this movie does not take place in 2006. It takes place in like 2013 or so. And that blows my mind. (laughs) Which is actually ridiculous because there's a lot of people, they're showing off people with flip phones recording things with their flip phones. And I'm like, this is supposed to be set later than this. Yep. There's no. It's solely because all of their money goes into cars. They can't afford better phones. <laughs> and you could tell this was a new thing at the time, as people could record videos on their phones, so they're mm-hmm. they're showing it off. Well, it, wasn't even, it wasn't even the recording. I mean, if we're jumping ahead slightly, they're on the mountain race. Everyone's watching it on their phones, and you have to assume that these people that are stationed around each like turn. And they were like they're probably live streaming it themselves. Yeah, I assume that's what's happening. But then there's one point in this movie where they specifically show it's just straight away. There's there's on the edge of a cliff. There's nobody around, and DK Ram Sean, and everyone's like, oh no, that I wasn't even specific. There's no one here. No yeah. one's recording you. I wasn't even specifically talking about the ending. You see them all with flip phones during the parking stuff. Uh, the first race. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. I, mean, not, I was more focused wa- on the property damage. They're not watching on. They're not watching the race through them, but they're they're all. You see them all taking photos and recording stuff on on their phones. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. So, so you've got the romance thing playing out, and you've got like this stuff. Them getting after Han. So Han actually gets, car gets crashed into. He yep. flips, and there's an attempt to go and get him from the car, but then it blows up. Uh, so Han is seemingly deceased. And, like, as far as this movie goes... He's dead. He is deceased. Like, it's yes. not a thing where... Because I kept on waiting for it. Because I know 
just based off cast lists for future movies. I know he shows up, so I kept waiting for that thing where he's like, ah, uh, no. no I, uh, even if it's a post-credit scene, I was waiting for it. A bun- it never came. A bunch of the sequels after this are set before this, just so they could have Han. Yeah. That, that's just Which the, is straight insane. up what it is. That's insane to me. Right? Uh, and then everything sort of like breaks apart, and mm-hmm. Sean goes to his dad's with with Neela, because Neela was in the driver's, uh, the passenger seat with him, right? The yep. whole time. And they go to his dad's, and then they've been followed here by DK. DK pulls out his gun, and that's when his dad shows up. He's like, I wouldn't do that, buddy. You know, his dad's waiting there with a handgun. And this is where he's like, you know, Sean, I have to get you out of here. You have to get on a plane tonight. And he's like, no, I need to clean up my mess. You have to understand that, right? He's like, yeah, take take this car I've been working on and go put a fancy engine in it so you can do your race. But Sean's big plan mm. is that he takes money that he knew DK, or that Han had, to the yakuza uncle and he's like hey sir this is money that belonged to you i know this is what you wanted uh, i'd like to propose a peaceful solution to everything that's been going on <laughs> and what's so weird about this is that as far as the uncle's concerned i'm not sure so sh- sh- sure why he would care about this weird rivalry between dk and sean it seems tangential to anything going on with han the only thing that i was able to parse is that uh neela specifically said that her backstory was that her parents died or whatever, or her mom was like a prostitute or something. Mm-hmm. And she was raised by DK's grandmother. So she's been in the family for a while. Okay. And the fact that Sean came in and disrupted that family unit where the uncle would probably be around as well, I have to assume that he had some stake in that. But the movie does not explicitly say that. Okay. I'm just putting that on there. The, the yeah, there's a big extended montage of them fixing up his car because the the police took all the cars at Hans' place because Hans was fairly wealthy, he had a lot of cars, he had a big place. Mm. Um, he was wealthy because he was stealing from Yakuza. Yes, but yeah, the the police have taken all the cars except the one that he wrecked at the start. You know, with yeah. the parking place, and they take the engine from that. They put it in the their, the dad's like old like relic that he found that was destroyed. And I'm sure it's probably not a Buick, but I just call that style of car a Buick. Sure. And they, they get that all cleaned up and get it ready for a race. And he, But he says to the, the uncle, he's like, look, I propose a race between me and your son, or between me and your nephew, and mm-hmm. the loser has to leave town. And DK is like, I already beat this loser. And the uncle's like, well, it should be easy to do again then, shouldn't it? And he's yep. like, yeah, let's do it. Let's have a race. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> fine which honestly I, I appreciated this just because at the very least it set up a goal it set up a stake oh, yeah. and it set up like something simple that we could like have a resolution to mm-hmm. because so I, much I, of this movie did not have that so much of this movie just felt like it didn't know where it was going yeah as soon as they announced there was going to be the race i was like okay this seems based off runtime left and how much the movie there was this seems like this is it. There's not going to be a little extra like twist on it where it's, oh, this race, but actually this other thing comes in. It's like, no, we're just going to do the race and whoever wins will end the movie. And yeah. that is what it ended up being. I do want to point out real quick, I really enjoyed the performance of the uncle, the one in the Yakuza. He's all and right, yeah. I, I don't have a problem with him. I looked him up, and uh, his biggest thing, of course, was Hattori Hanzo from Kill Bill. One and two. Ah, okay, okay. Because I knew I recognized him. And I don't know. I just really liked it. He seemed... He had this air of menace around him, even more so than the actual villain, DK, where I was like, nah, I've... DK, because he immediately, as soon as the uncle walks in, he just crumbles. 
he just immediately bows down. It's like, oh, uncle, I'm so happy you're here. Here, please take my chair. Whereas this guy, he walks in and I'm like, nah, he's killed someone. Like, I can feel it. <laughs> he just walks in. He's killed someone. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he feels like he, he'll honor the race. He doesn't mm-hmm. feel like someone who like is going to be a villain. He's, yeah, he's a Yakuza and he's... yeah. You know all these things, but he's someone who has like honor and respect, and like will be you know, adhere to anything he said he's going to do. At least that's the right. vibe you get, and he does. You know when Sean wins the race, he's like, "Okay, mm-hmm. you've won. You're you're free to go." Uh, and that's that's basically yeah. I I have nothing yep. to say about the race itself, other than yeah, what you already mentioned, where the people at the top of the mountain are all watching it on their flip phones, which mm-hmm. is weird. But other than that, I don't really have much to say because it's just a kind of a quick cut mess of like dark images of cars overtaking each other the only thing i had is yeah they keep on trading back and forth for first place but the end of the race the reason that it ends is that dk keeps on trying to ram sean off the cliffside sean ends up you know throwing on the brakes or whatever dk just flies off the cliffside himself and tumbles down and crashes below and there's this last minute little action bit where Sean, I guess, has taken the next turn or whatever. He's driving down the road and DK's car is about to land on top of him. And Sean, in a slow motion scene, just drives around it. And I felt like that would have been the moment in any other script where he has to, you know, the force using by Luke at the Death Star or something like we're going to use your drifting abilities to dodge this last little bit. But he doesn't even drift around it. He just swerves. And it just felt really out of place as that last little bit of action. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it does kind of feel like they, they struggle to like make that final race feel more special, really. Uh, yeah. Especially since like he, it, it felt like the same mountain that Sean was practicing to learn how to drift on in the first it was. place. I'm, I'm positive it was. So it's like... What what you should have done with this is like ha- not have that mountain before this scene. Ha- have mm-hmm. this be like maybe introduce it with the uh, with Neela talking about drifting and say we used to come up to this mountain, right? Still introduce it in that scene, but mm-hmm. have that and then have it be a big deal. It's like you're going to race because because they, they say right before the race starts where Bow Wow's like DK is the only one who's ever made it to the bottom, and then right. like but he's been practicing on this mountain the whole movie, so mm-hmm. I don't it doesn't feel like that big a deal. It's like he's been learning on this. What I think there needed to be, and it sounds a little bit, I don't want to say cliched, but it is. Um, what they needed to be is there's like the last turn around the mountain is some like specially named turn that is ah, responsible yeah, yeah. for so many crashes. And he's constantly been trying to land it and he never quite gets it. And it's only in this last final race that he lands it perfectly. Yeah, I just, it felt like it should have been like, no, we have to race on that mountain. That should have felt like a big deal, but it's, it's yeah. just kind of—it's like, but that didn't feel like a big deal. But now you're telling me that DK is the only one who can do it. <laughs> I mean, if they wanted to do stuff we've already set up, it feels like more so they should have said we're going to race in that parking garage. Yeah, yeah, because that's all we've done up to this point. Yeah, just weird, weird build-up of the action itself, but hmm. uh, the ending of the movie is we're back at that parking structure. Oh my god. Right? We're back at the parking structure. Uh, Sean's just hanging around with Neela, and Bow Wow goes, hey, there's this guy who wants to race you today. He's like, ah, not tonight. He's like, no, he said Hannah's family. And I think what's so weird about this is that this is is this kind of the first time that this franchise has actually used the word family in that, that way, you mm-hmm. know? Like it's, it's not the first time I've said the word family, but this is the first time it's been said like that. But 
this one is technically in 2013. Yeah, but that, that's, so... that's what blows my mind about it, though, is they didn't know whether they were, were going to make it that, that big a yeah. thing. Yeah. And that's actually the thing that really blew my mind here is that, so this obviously builds up to, like, the, the cameo from Dom, right? Vin, Vin Diesel's there in the car, and he exchanges a few words with Sean. and he's like, hey, kid, this race, and, you know, I was, you know, me and uh, Han go way back, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Is that, in a weird I was not expecting this part of it, where I knew Vin Diesel was going to have a cameo, and I knew that Han, Han died in this movie, right? And then yeah. we were going to set other movies set before it. That's all fine. I did not expect this movie to seemingly set up that Vin or the, uh, the Dom and Han mm-hmm. worked together before. Yeah. That that actually kind of surprised me because I'm like, wait, you actually can't. It's almost like you knew you were going to set movies after this before. That's now. what I'm saying. It's so strange the way it was structured. The way that I, the way before they made the decision, I imagine them saying it is that you know Han has this mysterious past. He explicitly says at one point he's out running and he's like making a run for the border. He left for something. So they're going to put forward this idea that Han worked with Vin Diesel's character in some time before Fast and Furious 1. That's the idea I think they were running with. But obviously, Han is the best character in this movie. And everyone loves Han. So the marketing department says, Okay, let's see if we can make this work. Yeah, Han's in the next one. So the next one's yeah. set before this. Yeah. Uh, Which I'm, I'm, I really want to see. Did you say you watched 4 already? No, no, I've not seen 4. I really want to see how they're going to explain it in the movie. Because they don't do any hints that he survived it in this movie. So either they're going to have to say the, yeah, I survived the crash thing, which then messes with later timeline no, 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 stuff. No, 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 or they're no. going to have to just ignore it. No, no, no. He's not survived the crash. The next movie's set before this one. No, no, I understand, but I don't think they do the reveal that this movie was set before that this one at this point. Oh, sure. Yeah, I don't know how they make that clear, or if they do make it clear. Maybe it was just something they talked about around the movie. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, isn't uh, Juan, when he... Because I think Juan is the one who's directing when they do end up making it kind of at the same time. Didn't he do the Saw movie? Which is infamous for all those movies overlapping each other in time uh, and taking place at different points. Kind of, yeah, yeah. So I suppose there's some truth to that. Um, yeah, it's, it's just such a weird thing that it, it actually felt like they kind of had some stuff planned with this ending, even yeah. though I, I find it hard to believe they actually did. It's, it's, it's very wild. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you have your Vin Diesel little cameo was like, yeah, that's race. And I, I was sort of thinking to myself, like, but Vin, uh, Dom, I should say, you like to race in a, a straight line that's a quarter of a mile. You can't yep. handle all this drifting. And Sean literally says that. He says, you know, this isn't a 10-second race, right? And <laughs> Dom replies, oh, I got all the time in the world. Yeah, it's so, okay. so weird. Can I give you a little behind the scenes on this? Go on. So this scene didn't exist. They sent the movie to test audiences, and this scene did not exist. And test audiences were like, hmm. We kind of wanted to connect a little bit to the movies before. So they talked to Vin Diesel. They also were considering talking to Paul Walker, but apparently he was too old at this point, which 
that didn't work out. But that regardless, is, oh, and that is so. Given the fact that they've brought everybody, given the fact that we're still doing Fast and the Furious movies, yep. and Vin Diesel's like sixty, and we're still doing yep. it, it's insane that they had that problem here. That Paul Walker, who was maybe hitting thirty at the time, was too mm. old for their target audience. That is so stupid. Especially since the main guy feels like he's far too old anyway. He just oh, absolutely. Oh, uh, um, but yeah. anyway, they they talked to Vin, and Vin was like, "I'll do it, but only if you relinquish the rights to the Riddick franchise no, to th- me, that, so I can make it on my own." This part I knew. I knew that okay. he only agreed to do this scene because he wanted to do another Riddick movie, and yeah, yeah. that was that was the way it was. Like they, they give him the rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was the franchise that Vin cared about. He wanted to do more. Oh, Riddick. absolutely. But then he made Riddick 2013. It didn't do as hot as Fast 4 or 5. And he was like, well, I guess I'll stick around. Yeah, they started offering him buckets of money. And he was like, yep, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll keep doing it. Yeah. And Riddick, Riddick 2013 is fine. It's like, honestly, it's better than Chronicles of Riddick. You know, yeah. it's, it's a decent enough little movie. It's not, it's not as good as Pitch Black by any means, but it's uh, mm. there. Which has a connection to this franchise because, other than Vin Diesel, because the villain from Fast 2 is in that movie uh, too. Oh, all right. I thought you meant like connection, like it's set 400 <laughs> no. years after Fast. No. The skull of Dominic Turturro is hanging on a shelf somewhere in the background. Yeah, the, uh, Reddick's the descendant of Dom somehow. Perfect. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. Well, yeah, honestly, like this movie is such a like offshoot. It's, it doesn't feel that important to anything, of course. Not that it mm-hmm. had to, to be entertaining. Uh, but it feels like smaller than the last one and oh way smaller and i'm not so sure that that is to its benefit like obviously sometimes there's certain franchises that are better for going smaller because they should be more intimate or whatever but i think the the thing that i did at least kind of got some fun out of the last one was that it was bigger it was bombastic Mm -hmm. Uh, even if it was cartoony in places i did at least get some entertainment out of that here like i don't care about the the you know the, the aura of the of the drift or the the street racing scene so like yeah. sort of going back in that direction was uh, i like the idea of like the yakuza uncle like being okay and accepting the outcome of the race and seeing that as an honorable way yeah. like no you have to accept this dk you little shit you have to go now i also do wonder whether or not dk just straight up died because we don't see what happened to him after his car fell off a cliff no, I think you get one shot of him, do you not? Like, sort of looking upset that he's lost? I didn't see it. If so, I might have looked away because I was like, okay, is the movie done yet? Maybe I, was, I imagined I that. I, I thought you got a shot of him looking yeah. upset. But, uh, yeah, and also at the end when he's doing this race with Dom, it's uh, Neela who walks out and does the, the go. Mm-hmm. You know, the, she's the starting line girl. I don't know what, you, what the correct term is. Yeah. <laughs> Which I do appreciate that ending a little bit because they do... It's subtle. It's very subtle, but, you know, it's still like the car meetup. It's all these muscle cars and whatnot hanging out there. And they kind of give this vibe that it's different now that Sean is DK instead of Takashi. Because it before it had a lot of, like, you know, spiky-haired Yakuza-looking guys. Whereas this time it's, I don't know, it just feels a bit more open, I guess. It's a very subtle vibe, and I don't know what it is specifically, but... It yeah. feels like there's been a change in the racing culture because a white guy is currently their top racer. Uh, but white savior, I suppose. I don't know if yeah. that's uh, why not. That's that's the way to go with it. But sure, I, it baffles me that this franchise up until now is so determined to have the blandest white guy uh, mm-hmm. in the lead role. It, like, 
yeah and you know i i don't want to harp on an accent too much because you know it's an accent's an accent but there's yeah. definitely some accents that i find it harder to take seriously there's ones in the uk that i can't take seriously uh, a newcastle accent it is impossible for me not to think you sound a bit silly um an alabama accent i, I kind of feel the same way it's i mean i agree even being in america i 100 yeah. agree it's I think just, it's a wasn't that a story with Schwarzenegger where he wasn't able to dub himself in the German Terminator because his accent in German is like hokey. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Uh, that's I, I heard something about that. He's like more from the rural parts of Austria, Germany area, and so when it came time to okay. dubbing the German version, it's like, no, you sound like a hick. Get out of here. <laughs> Whereas he sounds all exotic to us. We were yeah, like, exactly. Oh yeah. Yep. Well, Which I'm sure that's, I'm sure over in Japan, that's how that would be a southern accent. They'd be like, oh my God, who are you? Or to an Australian. <laughs> yeah. That's it. In this case, who's yeah. in like, oh, I'm in awe. I'm in awe of your, uh, your thing. I love this one line that Han had halfway through the movie when he sees Sean flirting with Neela. He says, why couldn't you just get a Japanese girl like every other white guy in this country? It's, I, it felt almost improv, but I loved it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but needless to say, um, I, I, this movie doesn't really offer much. I don't think the action scenes or the racing scenes are particularly good. I don't think the characters outside of Han being kind of cool and charismatic are particularly good. Like, the main guy is like a just a wet fart of a main character. Uh, I hope we never run into him again. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, if we do see him again in some small capacity, like I don't know if the world can handle him and Paul Walker being in the scene at the same time. Uh, it's going to be the first instance of a white hole. It's like a black <laughs> hole, but it just sucks in charisma instead. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think the next one, I assume, is when it shifts to like Vin Diesel's more the lead and mm. Paul Walker's more, you know, part of the ensemble rather than the main guy. So that's a welcome change when it comes if it is the next one uh i mean we're dropping thes with the next movie so we are aren't we yeah see and how that the, goes the next one we have hand back we're we're bringing gal gadot we're oh boy we're bringing back everyone else from the first movie uh shia wiggum's in the next one i like him actually i like shia wiggum okay. so yeah give me give me, yeah let's do it let's let's hopefully now, real, not suck the, the real question is is this movie going to focus more on cars or crime because it seems to be that's where the transition is well i actually did read the imdb description for the next one okay i and joe what's so funny about it you know how uh when we're talking about the second one we said this was clearly supposed to be dom you know like he's oh, yeah. like you know uh brian like oh you're you need to go undercover to take down some bad guy and you want your buddy to come and be your partner and you but you instead of picking dom because we didn't have vin diesel you picked this other guy here's a mm-hmm. description for the fourth one on imdb okay Brian O'Connor, back working for the FBI in Los Angeles, teams up with Dominic Toretto to bring down a heroin importer by infiltrating his operation. It's the plot of the second movie, but with Dom as the second guy instead. So in reality, they're not dropping the thes from the title. They're dropping the twos from the title. And the plot. (laughs) The exact same carryover. I'm interested to see how Han's going to filter into that. It'll be cool to see, but yeah, I mean... I've, I'm learning not to get my hopes up that much with this franchise yet. We'll see what happens later on, but eh. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. I, I hope it's more entertaining again. Uh, yeah. Maybe veering 
more, if not better than two, just because, you know, I didn't love two. I just it was just more entertaining than the first one and this one. Yeah. So I guess yeah. we have to rate this movie. I think yeah, I have I have less to say. I think of this one overall. So yeah, same. All right, it's, it's for me personally. I think that I think it's more entertaining than you give it credit for. I think that. Yes, it's just this completely different offshoot. It doesn't feel like it's connected to the core franchise as we've established, but I'm okay with that. I'm all right with it being this totally separate thing. That being said, character-wise, yeah, not everyone's a failure except for Han. That's not even a controversial statement. I think that's pretty obvious just by watching it. I just enjoy the fact that this is the first movie where I felt like I didn't have to be a car nut to really enjoy it. I didn't have hmm. to be a car nut to understand what they're getting out of this. Like all the previous movies are like, oh, I got my Nissan Skyline and it does 400 <laughs> torques per minute or whatever. I'm like, yeah. I don't care. Much like you were asking earlier about crime versus uh, like the heist sort of superhero mm-hmm. movie that it's going to become for the next one. I do also wonder about that part of it. Like, are we because it's Dom and the crew back? Are we back to like obsessing over the details of the car still? Yeah, or is that already and, gone by four? But that'll that'll be the part that I'm not interested in. Like, if they want to try to pinch it to me being not a car nut, they're more than welcome to. But I think that's the strength of this movie is that it's the style of driving. It is the way that you steer. And I can understand that. I can easily get into that. I think they're a bit crazy with it, but I can at least get into what it is they're talking about yeah i think for me it's just the the characters just are so shit and the and the script fine. is not you know like, like i say there's, there's not this sort of like momentum for a long time in the movie where you're just kind of mm-hmm. waiting for it to kick into high gear that's, I, I, I can keep that's, going all day i was gonna say i think that's like the fifth pun you've made without even <laughs> meaning to um, uh, yeah, I didn't so mean for, that. One. I I wasn't thinking that one in advance. It just came out, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. that's that's good. That's damn good." <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, I gotta say, I don't think it is better than the second movie, but I also don't think it's really worse. It's different in a lot of ways, but I'm gonna have to give it the same score I did the last one, which is a flat six. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I think that's fine. I think this uh, is kind of similar in level to the first movie for me and that I just couldn't give a shit about the plot or the romance and I didn't like the main character one bit. If anything, the first one might be slightly better just because it has no. other actors in it <laughs> that are... Okay, yeah. You know, not even better because, again, Vin Diesel's not a great actor but at least there's a bit more star power kind of there. I know it's just this guy, our main character, his biggest thing is he went for pretty much the entire series run of NCIS New Orleans, which, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think I'm going to go with a similar score to the first one. I'm going to give this a four. Okay. So, yeah, I, I just, I'm not in the positive end of this one at all. I did not That's enjoy fair. it. Two, at least I had at least a bit, a bit of entertainment out of it at times. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what they do with the fourth one. We'll see based off what we're saying here i think the biggest thing is you're looking for stronger characters and i'm just looking for dumb stupid fun so by the time we hit the tail end of this franchise i think we'll both be getting what we want i mean yeah i you know dumb stupid fun is something that i can at least get on board with as well uh mm-hmm. yeah so ho- hopefully it can veer more into that next time so yeah um yeah uh 
we'll see. But that is that is uh, our thoughts on Tokyo Drift. Uh, I guess we have to say if it's making the cut. Obviously, I'm saying no, it does not make the cut. <laughs> yeah, I'll agree with that. I'm not willing to give it the worst level, but I'll say it doesn't make the cut. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, obviously, next time we'll be back with Fast and Furious, uh, or I'm just going to call it Fast and Furious 4. Uh, and this was Fast and Furious 3. You got a problem with that? <laughs> then tough. I don't care. Hey, by the time we hit the fifth one, they kind of agree with you. <laughs> so, yeah, well, we'll come back for that next time. Like I say, we're only doing up to number five with this block. We'll be back sometime next year for when... Mm-hmm. Or, assuming the 11th one's coming out next year, if it ends up getting pushed to the year after, maybe two years from now. But we'll come back and do the rest on the run-up to the, the 11th one. We got all the time in the world. Yes. I'm in no rush to get through it because we have to stop because we have to go into the Indiana Jones movies so that we're ready yeah. for the new one of that coming out. So, yeah. speaking of things we recently discovered we're doing, tell them about the bonus for this month, Pete. Oh yeah, if you like uh, bonus content, you want to support all the all the all the shows we do, specifically Collector's Cut. You can get bonus episodes every month on Patreon. For this month, we did Biker Boys. Oh which boy. will already be up if you uh, go and check out Patreon. In fact, Extra Reels, which is our second bonus show at the $5 tier, will already be up probably, or will be up soon uh, mm-hmm. as, as this episode goes out. So go check out that uh, out, and you can support all the content over at patreon.com slash TV, or you can do it on YouTube with a one-time super thanks, or become a YouTube member, or if you want to do it for free, which of course is appreciated as well, you can like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications, you can rate the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from, give us five stars, all these things do help. Thank you, and, uh, you know, just watch the show, listen to the show, enjoy the show, all these things help, and we do appreciate your time, and hopefully enjoying our rambles and dissections of, of movies hopefully these fast and furious movies are at least entertaining to listen to because i can't imagine the analysis is as good as some of the other things we've done what are you talking about we know exactly what we're talking about here but uh that is the show that is the collector's cut so we'll see you next week for the next entry in the fast and the furious franchise but for now that is us thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching movies and live your life a quarter podcast at a time <laughs> <laughs>